welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. I hope you're having a wonderful week. Everybody having a good week? No? Yeah? This side's having a great time. Not so much back here. It's been kind of bad, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it is good to see you. I'm, I am uh, glad that you're here. And uh, if you have your Bibles, if you will turn me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19. Matthew, chapter 19. I'm going to get there in just a minute as we continue in this series uh, on empty promises. And uh, uh, it's uh, anytime that I, I've been kind of on this little international trip, and so I'm kind of like hyped up on, ca on caffeine right now a little bit. So hopefully I don't talk too fast and just kind of slow down and, uh, and all of that good stuff. But uh, I'm just glad to be at church. I got, I, I've been in uh, uh, South Africa uh, in Cape Town, and I was getting, I usually I have my rhythm at these airports. And something I've like, man, I probably need to get there a little earlier. I thought, no, because you'll sit there forever and blah, 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 blah. And so I'm going to be in this, in this plane for 12 hours and then a layover and another eight hours. And I just don't want to be there any longer. I have to be. And, and so, uh, but I get to the airport and earlier that day, there had been a system-wide crash uh, on, on computers, not with airplanes, but, but on with, with, they were having to manually check people in, like at Heathrow, and there were all these places. So they had gotten everything back online. Well, by the time I got there, there's no movement, and I'm standing there, and it's, uh, the flight was just going at 11 o'clock at night, and uh, I, I finally go over to the desk and just say, we're waiting in line, kind of in this, in this queue to get to, get to check our bags. And I just said, could you help me? Like, is there some, some problem? They're saying, sir, all of our computers are down. We have to manually check people in. And where you're standing over here, I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you will get on all those other people, which was a huge online. Those people won't make it. And I was like, thank you, Lord, that I'm on this side of the line. That's all I could think, you know. Uh, and so uh, it's one of those things where I was just like, thank you, Lord. And then on my way out, um, I'm, I'm actually in Atlanta and flying out and uh, they have to check your passport and so I get there to check my bags and the lady says uh, Mr. Cole um, you don't have a, you don't have enough pages in your passport to enter into South Africa I said what like I ah, mean I'm global entry like I ah, mean I make sure all that stuff is all done and she said no sir it, it requires that you have two complete blank front and back pages I don't have two front and back pages so anyhow, so I'm like, no. So I said, can you talk to a supervisor or whatever? And so she goes, and, and she said, you have one, but you don't have two. And so they come back and say, well, the one should work. You ever done that before? So I'm going to travel 24 hours, and I might get to the country and then be told, sorry, you can't get in because you don't have enough passport pages. So I was just like, I called Tammy. I said, Tammy, we need to pray. I got to get there, you know, kind of a deal. And uh, so what was funny was they didn't even use the one page that I had. They went to another whole different page. It, you know, traveling is kind of crazy and stuff. So anyhow, so I'm glad I got there. Glad I got back. I'm glad I'm with you. I'm just having this little conversation. And everybody's just kind of looking at me like, oh, great, great, awesome, awesome, awesome. So anyhow, I'm glad to be at Life Church. And it was actually hotter here in Wisconsin than it was where I was in South Africa, if you can imagine that. And so, and so uh, anyhow, I, I know it's kind of like we had a bit of summer and maybe it's going to be a little cooler temperatures, but hopefully you've been enjoying some of this nice weather and all this good stuff. So let's continue on with our series then on, uh, I'm talking about money today. That's what I'm trying to get you to loosen up a little bit before we get into the Bible on what it talks about money. But um, one of the things that's interesting to me about where I was in South Africa is 
you had these major extremes. This, this is, and so in Cape Town, which is a coastal city downtown, there are major hotels, restaurants. Matter of fact, in, in the harbor where, where, where we went to dinner one night, there was the largest private vessel with the highest, biggest mast uh, that uh, was, was basically harbored there right in the harbor where we were. It had a plane on the back of it a seaplane that they actually could could crane off the boat. It was a private, it was a family out of Dallas. Who, I, 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 don't ask me, God bless Texas. But anyhow, so so I'm just like, this is a huge boat and there was a plane. The first time I've ever seen a plane that was a part of the boat, that was on the back of the boat. It was amazing, but it's just for a private family that's sailing around the world. And so you have this opulence. But then you notice that there are these taxis, these buses, these vans that are running into what would be called these townships or these kind of shanty towns all throughout the sub suburban areas of this great city of Cape Town. And literally, you would have 8x8 eight eight or 10x10 10 10 houses that were made out of tin or metal or whatever they could comprise together, and families are living there. It's interesting to me, though, that in the context of that, you have all of this wealth in one particular area, and then you have all of this poverty in another area. But I got to go to one of those poverty areas, a place called Delft, which is a, a township, and Britt Dyer heard mom and dad, Ed and Lana Dyer, they attend Life Church. Matter of fact, Britt came to faith in Jesus Christ as a high school kid at Germantown High School, and uh, worked for many years in the Northeast, uh, and then through just some, some things that the Lord was doing in her life, called her to go to South Africa. So I got to spend an afternoon getting to see her a day, getting to see what she, do, what she does. And I went to probably one of the most impoverished areas I've ever been in. Um, and as we pulled up, there's going to be some pictures that are going to come up on the screen. These are the kids that start running up to Miss Britt. Uh, and Miss Britt, Miss Britt, Miss Britt, Miss Britt. And the church, the blue building behind, that's the, where they go to church. And just over to, uh, over, over my right-hand shoulder in that picture is where they're building a new building. But this is where these children all live. You can go to the next picture. And Britt's walking through, and they're hanging on to her, hugging on to her. She runs an after-school program called Transformers and does all of this. Matter of fact, I think we've got a video from these kids, if you guys can play that. Can you say... Hi everybody! That means I love you. We love y'all. Right? Yeah. yeah. Can you wave? Wave to wave to my mom and dad. <laughs> and blow kiss. Yay! So good. <laughs> my point is, is that in the world in which we live in. We are told that the more money that you have and the more stuff that you have and the better schooling that you have and the better car that you have and the more extracurricular activities that you have, that your kids are going to be happier and that life is going to be happier. But as I'm encountering Britt interacting with all of these school-aged children throughout the neighborhood and at anywhere we walked, parents, moms, uh, we're Miss Britt, Miss Britt, Miss Britt, and, and, and walking down the street, they're all waving and saying hello and all of this kind of a deal. It was just one of these things that the number one pursuit that we typically go after in life to try to find happiness is 
money or the things that money can buy. These people have none of that. Yet, those children don't know that. They don't know that they're living in poverty. They don't know the world beyond where they are. Unfortunately, they will at some point in time, but they don't understand or even know that. Yet, it kind of blows up the whole ideology, if you would, sometimes that if I have more money, I'm going to have more happiness. If I have more things or more experiences, I'm going to be more happier, be more content. It, it doesn't work that way. And we're told that money will give us happiness and that money will give us fulfillment. But the only thing that the pursuit of money provides is emptiness. I'm going to give you a statement here. Money promises only what God can provide. I'm going to show you this in scripture. Money promises what only God can provide. Every person in this room, you have something inside of you that you're looking to be content. You want, you want uh, it's, it's, it's a vocational aspiration. It's, it's a prayer for your family, for your kids, for your grandkids, for yourself, for your marriage. Uh, if, if I could just be healthy, if I could just have a little more for retirement, if, if my kids would just be in right relationship with the Lord, or, or if this would happen. There's all of these things that, well, if I could just get that job, if we could just sell the house, if we could just get this new job, if we could just, and, and it's, it's, it's not necessarily money, but sometimes it's the things that it can buy. And all of a sudden we think, if I just have more, I will be. And the truth is, is that money is empty. And the pursuit of money is empty. And that money will promise us only God can provide. Check this out. This isn't a parable. This is an actual account in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19. Uh, it's written in the other Gospels as well, but, but, but Matthew, I'm, I'm going to take it from Matthew's Gospel. But it's where Jesus interacts with an individual who is looking for contentment looking for fulfillment, and all he has found in his money and in his wealth is emptiness. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. And if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Which one, he asked. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and your mother, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, all of these things I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, if you want to find contentment, then go and sell your possessions and give them to the poor, and you will then have treasure in heaven. Then, after you've gone and sold your possessions, then come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Many times when we read this or we hear this taught, we think it's a parable. It's not a parable. It's an actual account. If you read the context of what's happening in the Gospels, Jesus has been teaching, and the crowds are growing, and they're listening to him. Well, because think about it. It's the Son of God. This is God-made flesh. Have you ever been into a church service or been somewhere where God was really moving, and, man, that, that person that was preaching could, could like just preach all day? And it was like you, you, you couldn't write fast enough, and, and it was like, wow, that's amazing. And I know that, but the way this person says this is just makes it come to life, and... That's how I was to listen to Jesus. 
I mean, could you imagine being in the first century and, and, and being there and somebody inviting you to a, a gathering and all of a sudden he begins to speak and then you begin to go, I've never heard teaching like this before and I've never heard life like this before. I've never heard truth like this before. And all of a sudden all these things begin to, that's what's happening. And the crowds are growing and they're growing and they're growing. And so there's this, the, the Bible says he's young, uh, he's, he's rich. And he's a ruler. So he, he's, just think he's this, he's this young professional, high achiever, uh, high octane. Uh, you know, he's been to the best schools. I mean, j- just think about what that would look like in our context and in, in, in our first world in the 21st century. And, and he has everything. And he goes and, he, and he's listening and he's buying everything that Jesus is selling. And this is what he wants to do. And he's trying to get somewhere. And so finally he, he just says, hey, nobody else interrupts him. I mean, just think about the kind of person that's going to interrupt and, and going to say, hey, 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 Jesus, teacher, rabbi. Would that be the actual translation? I, what, what do I have to do to, to have this life that you're talking about? Like, like, like I, 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 want what you're, I want what you're offering. What do I have to do? And so then Jesus says, well, just, just you know, what do I have to do? And he says, I just go keep the commandments. Well, which ones do I have to keep? And so the Bible tells us, Jesus says in verse 18 and 19, is to, you know, don't, don't, don't murder anybody. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. You know, honor and love. And, 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 and his reply is, hey, I've kept all, all of these things. I've done all this stuff. But, but there's something more. There's, 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 there's something that's missing. And here's what he didn't get. And this is what most people don't get, even in church, is that fulfillment cannot be found in something but only in someone. Fulfillment in life cannot be found in something, but only in someone. Fulfillment in life can't be found in following the rules in the church. Fulfillment in life can't be found in just just keeping every letter of, of the Bible. Fulfillment in life can't be found in just checking all the boxes. It's not found in something. It's found in someone, and that someone is Jesus. See, making money can make you happy for a while, but, and spending money can make you happy for a while. You know, you can just kind of swipe your way to happiness, right? Or now with the chip reader, I guess you just have to insert the card. Doing good works can make you happy for a while, but there's still an emptiness. And going to church and following the rules. And some of you are saying, whoa, let's rewind the tape on that one. What did you just say? I mean, you're like the pastor. Like, aren't you supposed to say that we're supposed to be in church and supposed to be obeying God's word? And yes, Jesus doesn't negate the fact that you shouldn't commit adultery and that you shouldn't murder and that you should, that they, that you should honor and that you shouldn't bear false witness. He's not negating any of those things. But the problem is, is that many times people go, I'm just going to go to church. I'm just going to go do these activities. I'm going to do this spiritual stuff. I'm, I'm going to write a check or I'm going to do whatever. I'm just going to do these spiritual activities. I'm just going to show up in a week in service. I'm just going to show up in a life group. I'm just going to check all the boxes and I'm going to have fulfillment. And they're following something instead of someone. And they're following some kind of order or some kind of ideology instead of following Jesus. See, it leaves you wanting more because it's not about something. It's about someone and that someone is Jesus. Look at Jesus' response again in verse 21 and 22. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, you want to find contentment, you want to find what you're looking for, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and sell your possessions. 
Jesus doesn't ask him to give it to him. He says, I want you to give it to the poor. And then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then I want you to come and follow me. Don't come follow me and then do this. Don't come follow me and think about it. No, sell everything, give it to the poor, then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad. Why? Because he had great wealth. Now, I, I can imagine being there in that moment. I mean, can you imagine? Jesus is preaching all day, and it's an amazing day, and this is happening, and the crowds are growing bigger and bigger and bigger, and, and this rich young ruler, and people would have known who he was, and, and he asked these questions, and like, how awesome would it be for, for him to come to faith in Christ and follow Jesus? Maybe, maybe he's not one of the 12, but he's one of the 70s. He's part of that inner circle. He's there on the day of Pentecost, you know, whatever. He's this follower of Christ. He gives his life to Christ. Instead, he leaves the church service. Instead of responding... With acceptance to the message of Christ, he completely rejects it. I mean, this can't be right. I can just imagine him looking with a perplexing look and, and, and selling everything and giving it to the poor, and then I'm going to have treasure in heaven? Jesus says, you, you want to know what's stopping you, rich young ruler? It's your money. See, here the issue is this. It's, it's your pursuit of money is your salvation. Your happiness, your eternity, in order to have that, you're going to have to let that go. Mark's gospel says it this way, that Jesus loved him and said this out of compassion. Jesus wasn't just popping this off. He wasn't just dropping this. He, he wasn't trying to use a shock factor. The reality was, is this, is that that young man, that rich young ruler, his God, his idol, we talked about this in the first week of the series, was money, was his wealth, was his identity. Maybe he was taught that. Maybe he was brought up into that. Maybe he was self-made. Maybe he was a trust fund baby. We don't know. But what we do know is, is that at the end of the day, this is what he put his, his, his worth into, his identity into, his everything into. And Jesus basically is saying, look, man, this is your idol. This is your God. This is your thing. You're doing all the right things. You're checking all the right boxes. But the problem is, is that's all external. What's happening on the inside? What are you doing on the inside? Where is your heart? See, I'm saying that because we don't think that we, we don't think that we're the rich young ruler. I've never preached a sermon on the rich young ruler or ever had a conversation with a rich young ruler where somebody says, you know what, that's me. Yet if you go online and, and you look at, at, at worldwide wealth, and you type in the amount of money that you make in an annual salary, you will find that every one of you in this room will be within the top 20% of earners anywhere in the world. Now, you may not feel like you're in the top 20% of the people that live in your street or live in your county or that live in the state, but in the world? Yeah. Those kids... Half of them didn't have shoes. Where are their dads? Where there's, where's the provision? Where, where's the government? There is no social welfare reform. 
Britt was telling me of a situation of a young mom who went in to basically to have a baby and, and because a lot of the babies are, are at home because if you don't have any, if you can't, I mean, the, the, the wait time and all that, and there's, it's not the medical system that we have. And, and the mom actually died in the waiting room. This isn't, Ameri- this, is, this isn't the world in which we live in today. It's not in America. It's not in our world. But it's a reality for them. But there's a lot more of them than there is of us. And so the, what my, my deal is, I'm not taking a special offering, so don't, don't, don't like, okay, here he's going, he's setting us up. No, 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 I'm saying this to you to go, sometimes we think, I'm not him, I'm not the rich young ruler, I'm not the one. But the reality is, is that there, we, we, we want contentment, and we're looking for happiness, and we just think, if I just have enough in my 401k, or if I just have enough over here, or if I just can do this, or if I can just do that. And, and, and here's the reality, it's okay to have things, just don't let things have you. It's a statement. It's going to be up on the screen. It's okay to have things. Just don't let things have you. This is the problem with the rich young ruler. It wasn't the problem of his wealth. We see in Scripture there are many wealthy individuals in Scripture that help finance the kingdom and the work of the kingdom. Matter of fact, according to to Romans chapter 12, that the gift of giving which is the ability to be able to acquire wealth and to give wealth is something that's a gift that's one of the gifts that God gives us. There are some of you that you just have the ability to make money. You, you know how to start businesses. You know how to start enterprises. You, you're very entrepreneurial. You understand how to do this. You, you know how to make money. That's not a problem. And so God's blessed you with that ability, not just for yourself, but, but, but for the sake of the kingdom. I mean, Jesus, where, where's he buried? In the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. I mean, he doesn't have a place to, to, I mean, I'm just saying to you, I mean, there, there, there were wealthy individuals that came around that helped finance what was going on. This is how this worked. But, 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 but the point I'm making, it's not about the wealth. It's not about the things. It's do the things have you. See, the problem with the rich young ruler is, is that the things had him. Because he was looking to the things. He was looking to the wealth. He was looking to those things to bring contentment. And the world in which we live in, 2,000 years later, it's the same thing. If I drive this car, if I wear this brand, if I live in this neighborhood, if my kids are educated here, if we're able to vacation here, if I can have this, if I can do that, if I can just live like the person that's sitting two rows over from me right now, if I could just, if we could just live like this, if we could just have this, if it was just a little bit more, just, I don't want a lot, I just want a little, if I, then I would be happy, I would be content, I would be, no, you wouldn't. Because it's, that's not what drives contentment. Contentment is never found in an external. It's not found in something. It's found in someone. See, Jesus says, I want 100% of your life. I want to be number one, not number two, not number three. And what's the rich young ruler's response? He drops his head and he walks away. I want you to notice something. Jesus never pursues him. I had that in my notes. I took it out of my notes, had it in my notes, took it out of my notes, thought about it. But I thought, no, it's the truth of the story. It's the truth of the account. The Bible says that when he heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus went on. 
because he's not going to be number two. He's not going to be number three. He's not going to be an option. We live in a world that wants to say, hey, man, you know, this thing called the Bible, just take what you want to take out of it, do what you want to do. In the end, if you're a good person, you're going to get to heaven. It's not what it says. We live in a world that says, you know, God just loves everybody, and he does. He loves us so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. But you can just kind of go do what you want to do. That's not what it says. We live in a world that's trying, trying so hard to be inclusive of everybody and everything that we want to just kind of discount certain things and underplay, well, this is okay and that's okay. Well, who died and made you God and who gave you editorial privilege over the Bible? No, truth is truth. What Jesus was telling the rich young ruler that day is that what you've done is you've checked all the boxes externally. You've kept all the laws externally. You're a good person. You've not done anything that's morally wrong or you're not morally bankrupt. Matter of fact, you're an integral business individual who, who's quite accomplished in life. But the problem isn't what you've done on the outside. The problem is the inside. The problem is not how everybody else perceives you. The problem is on the inside of you. You're not willing to let go. You're not willing to trust me. You're not willing to, 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 to put your faith in God and to submit everything that you have. You're not willing to do that. And so what you want to do is, is, is you want to kind of do it your way. And you want to kind of say, hey, God, let's negotiate a deal. And God doesn't negotiate deals. No. His deal is found in the, in the Bible. For God so loved you and I that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever would believe in Jesus would not perish. But you cannot believe in some enlightenment experience to, to, to get to heaven. It doesn't work that way. You, you can't believe in, 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 some, in some other faith or religion. It doesn't work that way. Well, I think that it does. Well, you're, again, I go back to, go, me, go back to chapter and verse. Show me. Jesus says that I am the way and the truth and life, and that no man gets to the Father but to me. And the, and, and the truth of the matter is, is that the truth is there. And none of us ever want to go, well, I'm the rich young ruler because I don't have as much money as this guy. But, but here's the thing. If you make 30 grand a year, you don't think your lifestyle is materialistic. You think the guy that's making 100 grand a year is lifestyle materialistic. And the guy that makes 100 grand goes, no, my lifestyle is not materialistic. It's a guy that's making a quarter million. And the guy that makes a quarter million goes, no, it's not mine. It's a half million. Half million dollar guy says, no, it's a millionaire. The millionaire says, no, it's a billionaire. We, we never think it's us. Why is this story there? Because you and I can check all the boxes on the outside trying to pursue happiness, trying to pursue contentment, trying to get some edge on something. And at the end of the day, we miss it. Because it's never about something. It's about someone, and his name is Jesus. It's that simple. I sat in a myriad of conversations and lectureships last week in South Africa in this doctoral program with PhDs and doctoral candidates and debating all kinds of crazy theological ideas from, can you, do you really have to confess that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life? And, and, and maybe it can just be through enlightenment. And maybe there's other ways. And maybe the God that we serve is, is, is you know, what kind of gender is he? And, and I mean, is he gender inclusive? 
inclusive or exclusive. There was all of this stuff that went on, and I wanted to stand up and go, my God, it is not this difficult. He said very simply in his word, why is it that we don't get it? Because we keep trying to pursue something instead of someone, and his name is Jesus. And, and I'm just saying that because here's what I think. There are people that are here that you're checking all the boxes, and you're a good person. But understand this. God's speaking the truth to you, not because he's mean, not because he's condescending, not because he's trying to be judge, but because he loves you. And Jesus is saying, hey, rich young ruler, You've checked all these boxes, but you're pursuing all the wrong stuff because money has made you promises that are just empty that only I can fulfill. And you're pursuing some things in life instead of the someone, and that someone is me. And it's okay that you have things, but the problem isn't with the things that you have. It's a problem that the things that you have have you. They own your soul. That's why he walks away. That's why anybody walks away from the faith. That's why anybody walks away from the truth, because they won't let go what's in their hand. I just can't accept blah, blah, blah. I just can't submit to blah, blah, blah. I can't, just can't subscribe to the simplistic truth of his word. When you hear a message like this, there's two assumptions that people make with this passage. One is that this is for everyone. That we should just all go sell, sell everything we have and give it to the poor. And that's not the case. But it is a great gut check to go, do I have things or do things have me? Where am I at? Where's my heart at? Am I just checking off the boxes, but my heart's really far away from God? Do I have all the externals in place, but internally I'm really far away from him? That is the truth of the matter. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't times where God asks you to give sacrificially in a way that clears the account. But that's not the essence the essence is making sure that I'm pursuing someone who is Jesus and not something. The second assumption is, is that, well, he didn't say that, 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 we, uh, that this is something that, uh, this, that this is basically just kind of a story that happened there, but this really has no application for us today. No, the reality is there's a lot of people that are hindered in their life because things have them, and the pursuit of things have them. You don't have to, listen, you could be up to your yin-yang in debt and be the most materialistic person in the room. It's not the car that you drive or that place where you live or the money in your account. It has nothing. It, it's where's your pursuit? It's the motive. And you know who knows your motives? You. It's never fair for anybody else to judge anyone else's motives. So the same way that it's not true that this is just for everybody, that everybody should just go sell everything they have and give it to the poor, it's also not true that this is for no one. No, this is for all of us. Just to kind of ask ourselves a simple question. 
am I pursuing something or am I pursuing someone who is Jesus? Do I have things or do things have me? Where's my heart? Where's my heart? Where am I with the Lord? 